0: I want to begin by saying Happy Mother's Day. Got a lot of, lot of mothers here. How many mothers do we have? Wow, a lot of mothers. What about grandmothers? Any grandmothers here? Great-grandmothers? Really? Great-great-grandmothers? Man, you guys must have gotten married when you were, what, 10, 11? Young. Got an early start. Well, we want you to know that we do appreciate you appreciate you very, very much. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want to express appreciation to Jared for preaching in my absence last week. I know he did a great job. I appreciate Jared very much. appreciate Jared and Anna and all that they do for the church here. And we pray that God will continue to bless them in all that they do. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want to begin today by saying many of us are familiar with Superman. When I was growing up, Superman was a big thing. Many of us, we have watched movies about Superman. We've read about Superman in the comic books. But today I want to introduce you to Supermom. And if you are a mom, then let me just say, I don't know how you do all that you do. It takes a special person to be a mother. And when I begin to think about all of the different responsibilities that you carry out every day, I stand amazed. And I think that all of us owe you a debt of gratitude for all that you are and all that you do. And... It's a very special thing to be a mother and to be blessed with children, to have children that are truly bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. To me, that is a great, great treasure. And so I want you to know how much I appreciate you, and I appreciate all that you do. And I know that your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, They too appreciate you. And today I want to introduce you to what I want to call a super mom. And not just a super mom, but a super grandmom. I'm talking about Timothy's mother and grandmother. And I really believe that Timothy became a great servant of God because of his mom and his grandmom. So with that in mind, read with me again what Paul says to Timothy in verse 2, To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. It's without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance... The genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, is in you also. So what about Timothy's mom and grandmom? What about this idea of a supermom? I want to begin by first talking about Timothy was a person of faith. Everything that we're going to be talking about really ties back to Timothy's mom and grandmom. Timothy was a person of faith. Let's just talk for a moment or two about the genesis of his faith. In other words, the origin, the beginning of his faith. I would submit to you today that the faith of Timothy... It was not incidental, nor was it accidental. But rather, it took a lot of planning and preparation, time and training. So when I think about the genesis of his faith, what I think about is the fact that he had a mom and a grandmom who believed deeply in the word of God. And to the best of their ability, they sought to plant that word in his his heart. Back in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6, Moses had called upon the children of Israel to teach their children. He said they were to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. He said this is the first and great commandment. But he would say, teach them diligently. That is, teach your your children diligently. And that word diligently there means to repeat, to iterate. In other words, to continue over and over and over again, teaching and training your children in the word of God. He said, you teach them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, you saturate their lives with God's holy word. And I really believe that that's what they did. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment or two. Timothy ultimately was led to Christ through the work of the Apostle Paul. But his mom and grandmom paved the way for him to, as we would say, connect the dots and be receptive of the great Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. So the genesis of his faith But then note if you would The genuineness of his faith Paul would say in verse 5 again When I call to remembrance The genuine faith That is in you Down in in the latter part of verse 5 He would talk about that faith And he said I am persuaded It's in you Let's just talk for a moment or two About the authenticity of his faith I think it's incumbent on all of us Whether young or old to take ownership of our faith. Sometimes, sometimes we fail to take ownership of our faith. When Peter wrote many years ago in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, he said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And he said, be ready to give an answer or a defense, an apologetic for the faith that's in you. And really what he's saying is, number one, you need to know What you believe. I think all of us, whether young or old, we want to know what we believe. But then add to that, why do we believe? it? And really, again, all all Peter is saying is, as a child of God, we have to take ownership of our faith. And I believe that what Paul is saying to Timothy is that you have taken ownership of your faith. It's not your mom's, it's not your grandmom's. It's not a relative, a friend, but rather the faith that is in you, he said, it is genuine. It's authentic. And hopefully and prayerfully, those of us today, we can say that the faith that we possess, it is indeed our own. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the saints in Rome? And he said... the? That God is to be thanked because He said you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that pattern of doctrine delivered to you. And the idea is that you have come to the realization that what God has done for you is true, the message of the gospel is true, and as a result of that, you have obeyed that message. So, genuine faith. So I would say, first and foremost, we talk about the authenticity of his faith, but then the centricity of his faith. What was central to the faith of Timothy? It's the Lord, wasn't it? And I love the words of Paul down in verse 12 of chapter 1. And really I think that what Paul would say about his own faith would sum up the faith of Timothy. Listen to him. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, he said, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And he said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. When we become a child of God, in essence, everything begins to revolve around the Lord, doesn't it? He is central to everything we say, everything we do. In other words, he is the summation of life. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae? And and in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 he said, For Christ who is our life. In other words, I have believed deeply in what God has said in his word. I've taken that faith, I've made it my own. I have an authentic faith and everything. My life, my being, everything revolves around that. I love the Lord God with all of my heart, soul and mind. I'm seeking first the kingdom. He's the summation of life. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul would say it well. When he said, for to me to live, he says Christ. That's what really life was about for him. So I think first and foremost, we talk about Timothy being a person of faith. But then there's a second thing. Let's talk for a minute or two about the fact that Timothy was a product of faith. I want you to turn over with me, if you would, to chapter 3. And look at chapter 3. Beginning in verse 14. What about the idea of Timothy being a product of faith? And I want to begin by asking this question. When was Timothy taught? So listen to what he says. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now listen. And that from childhood. He said, You've known the Holy Scriptures. When did Timothy begin to be acquainted with the will and the ways of God? When was Timothy taught? The Bible says, From childhood. In other words, from infancy. Think for a minute or two about small children. It's amazing. They're like a sponge. They just absorb everything. And what, what Paul is saying is, look, when you were just a young fellow, your mom, your, your grandmom, they were laying a foundation. And they were teaching you the scriptures. They were laying this foundation so that you might become one day a man of God. And I find it interesting over in 1 Timothy chapter 6 he would refer to Timothy as a man of God. This young boy became thoroughly acquainted with the scriptures. Now again, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 you remember when Moses wrote centuries earlier and he said that they were to teach diligently their children. Well Timothy's mom and grandmom, they took that seriously. And so this little fellow is learning about God at an early age. And when children are born into this world, they're like a piece of clay, a piece of putty, aren't they? And so as a parent, we have the opportunity to begin molding and shaping that mind. There's a vacuum there, and what we're trying to do is fill it with the Word of God. Fill it up. So, first question. When was he taught? Second question. What was he taught? Listen now to what Paul says, and that from childhood. He said, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then add to that verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Don't you think that Timothy's mom and grandmom We're convinced that there was profitability associated with studying the Word of God. Now, let's let's just think for a minute about the core of his studies. When we send our children to school at, what, four or five years of age, they begin. the teachers began laying a foundation. They learned the ABCs. They learned to count. They learn, as we would say, the basics. There is this curriculum, this core of curriculum that they're taught. And every child is exposed to a number of things in the sciences. That's good. But what what Paul is saying is there was a core of teaching that that was taught to Timothy. That core, that body of teaching was God's Word. Why? Because his mom... His grandmom, they recognized that God's word is profitable. Now look at our world today. Don't you think that young people today could profit from mamas and daddies teaching their children the word of God? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every mom and grandmom duplicated the behavior of the mother and grandmother of Timothy? They were committed to the will of God. They believed in the word of God and they sought to the best of their ability to take that faith and pass it on. That's what it's all about. I mean, our young people are the future of the church, are they not? One day, they will be the custodians of the church. They'll be the custodians of of our, our country. And so, to recognize how important it is to teach and to continue to teach the Word of God. And so when I think about Timothy and the long ago, I'm reminded of the core of his studies. But then note, if you would, the cause, all right? What was the driving force, the catalyst, so to speak? What was it that was pushing his mom and grandmom to lay this foundation? Well, listen to what Paul says. And that from childhood, he said, You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I said a minute ago, Paul would identify himself as Timothy's father in the faith, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Timothy's mom and grandmom laid a foundation, and really what they did, they poured a foundation, and Paul was able to build upon that foundation and ultimately lead Timothy to Christ. But when you think about the cause, all right, what's the catalyst? What's the driving force for us to teach our children? Is it not the case that we want them to become Christians? That we want them to be believers? Let me just pause here and say this. I think it's important. I know sometimes as parents we do our best and we lay a foundation and our children are receptive and they come to a certain age and they decide to become a Christian and they begin walking in the footsteps of the Lord and they're doing their best to live a faithful life and then as they grow older and leave home sometimes sadly They make choices that are not in harmony with the will of God. And because our children have the ability to make choices, sometimes they make choices that we wouldn't make. And sometimes they move in a direction that brings heartache and hurt to our lives. But if we've done our best and we've laid that foundation and, we've, and we have sought to the best of our ability to lead our children in the direction of Christ then I would hope and pray that we wouldn't beat ourselves up. Because ultimately when it's all said and done when our children get out on their own they're just that. They're on their own. And they're making decisions. When they're under our roof then As I've said before, they honor the golden rule. The golden rule is the man with the gold rules. But when they leave home, it's a different story. So sometimes there are success stories, sometimes not so successful stories. And there have been good people in days gone by that have reared children that haven't necessarily done what was right. For example, Hezekiah was a great king. But he had a son that made some poor decisions in life, a son by the name of Manasseh. So I say all that to simply say that there's a core of teaching and then there is the cause, the catalyst for this teaching. And, And really the goal is, the goal is heaven. The other night in class, we were talking about our children. And one of the things that we were dealing with, James chapter two, talking about the problem of prejudice and how prejudice exists in many different realms. And in our discussion of prejudice, and really, if you want a good definition of prejudice, it means to prejudge. And so somebody brought up the fact that sometimes people are prejudiced when it comes to education. So we began to talk about how not every child has a, has a desire to go to college not every child wants to focus on books but rather there are other things they want to do and that's fine but Carrie Dye came to me after class and I hope he doesn't mind me using this little story but Kerry said you know it really doesn't matter to me about college so much he said all I want is for my children to go to heaven that's what it's all about, isn't it? Ultimately, we want our children to go to heaven. Do you remember back in Psalm 127? The psalmist talks about that ancient warrior. And he has a bow and arrow. He talks about the arrows in the hand of a mighty man. And that warrior has a target in mind. So he takes that bow and arrow, and he is pointing at a singular object. As a child of God, as a parent what we're doing is trying to point our children in the direction of heaven. Because when it's all said and done, that's what we want. We want to be together one day in heaven, don't we? As a family. And let me tell you what. Talk about success. I mean, mean, we define success in a lot of different ways in our world today, but success is ultimately going to heaven. right, there's a there's a third thing I want you to see in our study very quickly. We've talked about Timothy was a person of faith, a product of faith. But he then became a preacher of the faith. Could I say to you this morning that none of that would have been possible were it not for a super mom and a super grandmom? Now, add to that mix the Apostle Paul. But... The foundation was laid. And Timothy's mom and grandmom, they are pointing him in the direction of the Lord. Timothy becomes a child of God, and then he is used extensively by God. Two things here. First, Timothy became committed to the the message of God. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul would say to Timothy, Take heed to yourself and To the doctrine and continue in them. He said, For in doing this you'll save both yourself and them that hear you. So here is a young man who has become committed to the will of God, to the ways of God. He understands the importance of scripture. As a matter of fact, Paul would point that out again in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he talks about how all scripture is inspired of God and is profitable. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you stay with Scripture. Stay with God's Word. That core of teaching that you cut your teeth on as a child, you continue cutting your teeth on. You continue studying and meditating on the truth of Almighty God. But then there's a second thing. Not only was he committed to the message of God, but he became committed as a messenger of God. As a parent. We try to lay a foundation so that our children can lead productive lives in society. And I'm grateful for the many talents or abilities that our young people have. We've got some young people today that, when it's all said and done, who knows what they'll be able to achieve in life. They, They are intelligent, they're wise beyond years, they have goals and aspirations, And I'm grateful for that. Some of our young people might be teachers. Some might enter the medical profession. Some might choose to go into law. I mean, there are so many different opportunities out there. Some might one day choose to be bivocational. And by that I simply mean to work a regular job Some of our young men might want to preach on Sundays at a congregation. Some of our young ladies, no doubt, will be Bible class teachers. They will be very productive in the kingdom of God. I want you to think about something for a minute. It might be that some of our young men want to preach one day. We've got a lot of talent here. It might be that some of our young men one day will want to be elders or deacons. Some of our young ladies may marry men who will one day be a deacon, an elder, a preacher, a song, whatever. But the point is, Timothy became first and foremost a servant of God. Paul was a tent maker. so he made a living. But he was a preacher of the gospel So when Paul wrote Timothy His last letter AD 68 and Paul recognizes that his time here On planet earth He said it's, it's, it's up and So he would tell Timothy Timothy you preach the word He said you be instant In season, out of season You just keep preaching And teaching with all long suffering Now Down in verse 5 He would remind Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So think about about Timothy for a minute. Here's a young fellow that had a godly mom, a godly grandmom. He's reared in a home where he's taught the truth of God. And as Paul would say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he would later be identified as a man of God. And What an honor. What an honor to serve the Lord. And so as we we train and teach our children, as we lay this foundation, our goal, yes, is for them to excel academically and socially and athletically. But ultimately, we want them to excel spiritually, don't we? Timothy excelled spiritually. He became a great servant of God. And so as a parent, as a mom or grandmom, I want you to know that because of what you have done, one day, your children will be great servants. They can not only be great servants, but they can be in heaven. I don't know of anything better than to one day for all of us to be together in heaven. Can you? I really can Let's close with prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we're so grateful for your love and care for us. We're thankful for the power of your word. And we're so grateful for our moms and grandmoms today. We're thankful for their influence. Their love for you. Their leadership. We're grateful for... For the tremendous example that they set. And Father, we pray for all of our young people today. Bless them with the wisdom of a Timothy. To hear and to believe and to carry out in their lives your word. And Father, we pray that you would bless all of us with the wisdom to follow your word so that one day we can all be together in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today as we close our study, it might be the case that you're here and you're not a Christian. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but you've never taken the initiative to put away the ways of the world through repentance. You've never confessed with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. You've yet to be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 2.38. If you'll do that today, then you can become a child of God and you can be well on your way to heaven. If you're a parent and you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that today. To begin laying that foundation so that you can lead your children to heaven. If possibly you're here today and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God. whatever reason you've gone back into the world and your life's not what it ought to be, could we encourage you to come home to God? To recognize that God still loves you, God still wants you to be saved, and so probably the greatest news is He'll still take you back. He wants you back. So what would you need to do? You know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible would say, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that with you today so that you can be back in fellowship with God and his people as we stand and sing.